Welcome in the third edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with IndyStar and IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, Fox Sports 1260 afternoon host locally in Indy. But the star of the show, as always, is my good buddy Greg Doyle, Indy Star columnist, who is halfway done changing so far. <laughs> I came in. Th- this is like, you know, it's move-in week right now at IU and Purdue. This is like your dorm right now where you've got like the shower shoes on and then you're going into the socks and, and you've got your shirt on a hanger. You've just got a bag of stuff right here. It's like it's freshman moving week for Greg Doyle. I'm wearing one sock right now and, and, and one non-sock. And yeah, and, and it's too bad we're not simulcast because I'm taking the shirt off in a minute and you're going to be alone oh in, a, in a cubicle the size of a phone booth with a half with a shirtless man. That's going to be fun for you. So many people have dreamed about being in a lunar module with a shirtless Greg Doyle. It's amazing. <laughs> and this is my my frozen bottle of water that I've been rolling. The reason I'm barefoot is I've been rolling my foot on the You have plantar fasciitis? No, thank God. I know it's horrible. One thing you do is you 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 freeze a bottle of water and then yeah. you roll your foot up. So anyway, I would driving to, driving downtown with on my left foot because I drive with my right, rolling my left foot on this bottle of ice water. I might drink it later, <laughs> despite all the gross lint now stuck to oh, it. Oh God, yeah, you might want to wipe that down for the good <laughs> before you get in there. Uh, if you can tell, we're both not that we're not always in a good mood, but I, I think we're both in a good mood, and I think you feel like this city is in a better mood. However much you want to read into it with Andrew Luck's little pregame routine, it just felt like that was not a turning point per se, Greg, but maybe a sign that, hey, perhaps it's not all doom and gloom when this situation has really deteriorated over the, the previous couple of days and weeks. Yeah, the uh, the disclaimer we got to say is that Frank Reich is talking to the media. This is Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. late Tuesday morning, but still Tuesday morning nonetheless. Reich is talking to the media at twelve ten or so. He might drop a bomb on us that will absolutely stink. Sure. I don't think he will. Um, so having said that, yeah, I for the first time in in well for the first time this saga happened in late late July. I feel good about Andrew Luck playing in the opener, and I haven't felt good about it since that first day. But it just seems like we finally see some signs, and maybe I'm just digging way too deep to see him because I'm sick of. I mean, I'm just so sick of writing. Holy cow! And oh no! And what about? I'm so sick of writing no, the unknowns. We're, we're all sick, I and mean, we're sick of reading it. But at the same time, and people say, "Well, I don't want to read about Andrew. You don't want to read about Andrew. You don't want to read about that." I mean, I could write about somebody else, but ignore the entire story of this whole season, which is if Luck can't play, we know how the season turns out. So, anyway, I'm happy that I think I'll be writing some good news going forward. I was trying to remain optimistic, but you've been dumped before, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, see, I've been dumped like a half a dozen times. And you know when you're like in the last stages of a relationship and you know that it's ending and you're trying to convince yourself, no, 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 it, I'm good, I'm good, it's okay, she's not going to break up with me. And then inevitably, hey, I think we should see other people or whatever else. That's kind of what I felt like up until Saturday night where I'm convincing myself, everything's okay with luck, all is well, all is well. And then finally Saturday night I got a sign that, hey, m- maybe all really is well. So let's lock in a prediction here because it's been such a roller coaster ride. Let's just lock in, and this may make us look stupid if Frank Reich, as you said, drops a bomb coming up in a couple of hours here. Predictions for week one. Luck is or is not under center, according to Greg Doyle? Is, is, is. Okay. I, and again, in two hours we can see what Reich might blow this up. But I, I, I think it's – I mean, we know. It, he says it comes down to pain tolerance. That's what it mm-hmm. apparently comes down to. And what we saw in the field wasn't just him moving – but him moving and smiling and giggling in the middle of it, and uh, I may I'm reading maybe way too much into the, the, the giggling and the smiling. But luck is luck is a head case, and I don't think he's giggling and smiling if he's not feeling pretty good about what's going on down there in his lower leg. And I I, I suspect they probably give him, you know, I, I remember Dusty Baker when he was managing the Reds used to say about a guy that's hurt, 
when a guy is ready, you know, guy on the DL or maybe a guy not even on the DL, but he's he's out four or five games. You wait until the day he says he's ready, and then you give him one more day. And I wonder if, in Luck's case, if they he he looked he felt it seemed like he felt almost ready the other day. If you give him one more day or even one more week, because really two weeks would be plenty of time. It kind of sounds like one of these things where it may not get better, but it's also not going to get worse, if that makes sense. Just from everything that I've read and from medical people that I've talked to, it sounds like one of those situations where, as you said, if it's a pain management thing, it's not like he's going to go out there and it's going to be you know, horrible. The situation with um, Kevin Durant, you think about, where that was a situation where things could get a lot worse, and of course they did get worse. I don't know. This doesn't feel like that sort of situation, but um, it, it's hard for us, Greg, because you and I, you're a sports writer, and I'm a got to have a sports broadcast degree from IU. I'm like the least qualified person in the world to speak medically on this stuff. But from everything that I read, it doesn't sound like it's going to be one of those situations that's necessarily going to get a lot worse, but it's just maybe not going to get a lot better um, unless something drastic improves here or changes, I guess, in the next, what, 10 days before we open up the season in Los Angeles. It feels like the Colts, you talk about you're not an expert because your background, nor nor am I, but it, it doesn't seem like anybody, unless we find out something more today, Yeah. as last we heard is they're still looking for why he's in pain. They're still looking for it. And maybe just the resting he's been doing, the pain's going away now. And maybe they'll never know why it was hurt. I mean, it could be they'll never know. And I, you know, I wonder if it's something as stupid as arthritis. Do you have aching? Do you, maybe you have arthritis yeah. in your ankle, which sucks, but you can play with that. Or maybe you're just a slow healer or injury prone. I mean, you know, anything and everything is kind of on the table with luck, considering his track record in history. I wonder if I should tell him about this frozen bottle of water and roll your foot over it. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I mean, he's everything else. You know, he's getting. I, I wonder, but you know, he's getting all kinds of homemade re- remedies mailed to the Colts. And they're probably not showing them to luck, but you know people are mailing stuff. Heck, I got—I wish I could remember what it was. I got an email from someone who told, who was convinced they knew what it was. Just tell luck it's this, and how you treat that is doing this. And I read it and gave it all the attention it deserved, which is to say I don't remember anything. But I, I was like, don't tell don't tell me to tell luck that you know what's wrong no, with his ankle. No, Chad Ochocinco said uh, soak it in urine. Right on Twitter. Oh boy, <laughs> he said he had a he had a foot injury and he, he just soaked it in pee for like two weeks and everything was fine. Moises Alou, Moises Alou, yeah, says on his hands. Right, that's how you yeah you toughen your hands for I don't know uh, I don't know yeah pass on all of that yeah thanks. Do you think on and he does pregame stuff all the time? It's kind of hard for me because I do a, a pregame show with our sister station at Slippery Noodle, which is just a couple of blocks away. And then when I'm walking over, usually the anthem is playing, so I don't get to see the Colts a lot before the game I know he goes out there and and warms up and everything like that but Peyton Manning was an expert on controlling the narrative and doing things intentionally so he could get his message out there do you think that that pregame warm-up specifically doing the side-to-side stuff was just a routine thing or do you think that Luck saw hey there's a lot of negativity out there I want to put a good face on this let me go out there with a smile on my face and do some of this to kind of quiet the naysayers if you will yeah, it's hard to believe that wasn't what that was. If you remember uh, last year when he was dealing deal- dealing with the shoulder, um, and I think he did this actually before we ended up shutting it back down again, but he came out and threw a real football, and he did it with the media watching. I remember that last day of minicamp, right? Something, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And he he wanted us to see. I'm not throwing a nerf anymore. I'm not throwing grapefruits. I'm throwing an actual football, mm-hmm. and that was intentional because you know the media had access for like 15 minutes, and that those the 15 minutes he was doing the football. So yeah, that was. And I think that was a message, and if it was a message, then what that means is it's great news, because what Luck's not going to do is intentionally send a message that gets people's hopes up when he he's not convinced he's going to play in that opener. So I 
we're, we're all reading tea leaves. And you told me yesterday where the reading tea leaves thing came from, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> it was weird. It's uh, the the act of reading, smudging a substance, and then I don't even remember what the practice was called, but kind of ruined it for life for me. I don't think I'm ever going to say reading tea leaves again. I hear I have a, a day later after having it ruined for me. I'm saying it again, but I don't know how else to say that. We're all just guessing. We're no, all you're just right. guessing. But we're guessing finally good news. Later that night, the Colts actually did play a preseason game. They lost because they always lose in the preseason. Who cares, right? Uh, against a, a Cleveland team that was resting just about everybody. But takeaways from that game, Greg. What was your main takeaway Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium? What happened, you know, in the pregame? Uh, yeah. Luck, yeah, luck. But um, I, they were that was a team flush with quarterbacks for change. Brissett looked good. Philip Walker looked really good. I think Chad Kelly must have looked good, but I was kind of writing my story on luck. I was kind of checked out at that point. Yeah, I was already checked honest. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, I'm not a big, I mean, Chad Kelly's suspended for the first two weeks, so there's just no, for me, there's no point in even wondering what does he have. We did find out yesterday when you came on our, my radio show that uh, we actually looked it up, which we probably should have done before recording last week's podcast, that the Colts technically could carry him on the 53-man and have him not count because he'd be on the suspended slash reserve list. So at least we know that at this point, that, that that's not going to cause a problem where he's going to take the roster spot of somebody else while suspended. So you can be – so in other words, he'd be 54. He'd be player number 54. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, otherwise they have to let him go because – unless Luck gets announced as playing because if Luck can't play, you got obviously Brissett. The math doesn't work out. you got sure. Brissett, you got Philip Walker, and that's all you got mm-hmm. for week one. So we will see. I, I – I really like Philip Walker. I'm actually going out to Colts camp today uh, or to practice, and I'm going to speak to Philip for a story. I'm going to write about him later this week, and I like him a whole lot. Uh, I've talked to you know people back back in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where he's from, and just a great young man who's overcome a whole lot. Wasn't born on third base as the guy he's competing with for the backup or number three job. He wasn't he mm-hmm. wasn't given what Chad Kelly was given. Sure, and he's done so much with it on and off the field, and uh, it's. Just as a human being, it's going to uh, disappoint me, I, I guess, but it's going to hurt a little bit if, if they end up keeping one of those two and they don't keep walking. I hear you. And it, it sucks because, yeah, he's a third-string quarterback and he's probably just a camp body and, and a guy that can be a practice squad guy, but still, the role that those guys play is actually really important. I'm not trying to make him into something that he's not, but when you're the scout team quarterback or you're helping the other your, your own team prepare – you need those guys, right? It sounds corny and cliched, but it's the truth, is it not? Well, yeah, you you need them in in a lot of ways. Uh, but but one way is you, whoever your guys are that really aren't going to play, but you still keep them around. They need to be. It's almost like in basketball when you have a walk on. Mm-hmm. Your walk ons are going to have the best GPAs in the team because they're going to lift the team GPA up, and they're never going to get in trouble. Otherwise, you're just not worth it. You know, yeah. a college basketball coach has so many egos and issues to deal with. Last thing he wants is a walk on giving him problems. So if you're the number three or four quarterback. You need to be a great guy off the field, and have there be no worries about who you are. Now the difference is, um, you know, it, the pain in the neck factor versus the talent factor. There's always a, a an equation there, and in Chad Kelly's case, so far after two games, um, apparently he's shown enough that, like Philip Walker's never going to be a starter in this league. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad Kelly. I mean, I don't know, but he might, and if he's that good. Then maybe he's worth the, just the risk of his. Are we going to have a headline in the paper tomorrow that we didn't like? We don't. We don't know. Yeah, it seems so far he's done all the right things while he's been here, Has. and that's what we've seen. Yes. But that's you know we're only talking about a couple of months, I guess. Uh, Brissett 
with that last drive, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, it felt really important. It was the preseason. I get it. It just felt like you needed to see that from Jacoby Brissett to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because I'm a little bit more lukewarm, I think, than most on Brissett. I think it's easy to say, oh, he's a top 20 quarterback when you never have to really show whether or not he's a top 20 quarterback. But that last drive, Greg, I thought he was really, really sharp. 11 plays, 85 yards, and a couple of great throws, uh, including the touchdown throw to Ebron. Yeah, and he avoided a rush. It was that kind of underscored what the culture really dealing with this offseason, which is, or this preseason, which is a, for whatever reason, a really shaky offensive line. And yeah, there's been injuries, but uh, it doesn't really explain the systematic breakdown they've been having. But nonetheless, yeah, Brissett, I think the team needed to see that. I think the narrative, the mood, and the locker room changes. If Brissett's one of his first passes of the game, he threw it right at somebody for the Browns, and the Browns guy dropped it. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been really, really bad. And I don't mean just because it's bad to throw a pick. I mean, that would have been really, really bad if what's been a mediocre preseason for Brissett and a bad look against the Bills in limited action, if he had thrown a pick in his first or second pass of the game the other day, that would have been a really bad look and a bad feel for that locker room. But instead, he's 8 for 10. His passer rating was 141 um, in limited action. But still, that's all you got to look at is limited action, and he looked really good. So that was really important for him. And I imagine for Colts fans, too, just have a little bit of comfort. I'm glad bit. they rolled with it, too, because remember, Reich said they were going to play a quarter, and they were, I want to say, like one play into that drive when the gun sounded to end the first quarter, and I was like, oh, crap, are they going to are they going to pull him out now? And I'm glad they rolled with it and, and let that drive continue because that was probably the most impressive thing of the night, um, at least from an offensive standpoint. When you mention the offensive line and the struggles, and Reich has talked about this a lot, at what point do you become really concerned? Because all this time I've been saying to myself, oh, well, Nelson will be fine, and, and Smith in year two will be fine, Glowinski, they, these guys will gel, Costanzo's healthy, everything's going to be okay. But then you watch some of these issues even the first teamers are having, and you're like, what's up with this? This isn't the same group that I saw last year. It's not, but but we only really noticed how good they were, I think, uh, in the regular season last year. I, for me, like I'm going to point it out, mm-hmm. as, I, as I've done, but I, I think the time to get concerned is that Chargers game and, and just see what happens. Yeah. If, if they stink against the Chargers, then this wasn't a mirage. That's the, just the stupid danger of preseason football is it's all we have to talk about. It's all we have to, is what we saw. And yet we also know there's just something about it that even when the, the right players are on the field, it really doesn't matter. No, you're um, right. Up to a point. So I, but at the same time, what I can't do is write four, four weeks of stories about how great this team is going to be and just ignore what we're kind of seeing on the field. Now, one thing that was really good the other day that hadn't gotten a lot of attention was Kamoko Ture looked great. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Looked great. And I get the impression from listening to the coaches talk about him that they, they think he might be something pretty special. And I don't mean an all pro. I don't mean that, but, but I mean, maybe, but they, I think they think he could be really good, really good. Like mm-hmm. Justin Houston's going to be their lead pass rusher this year, but he's going to get old, and, and they better have next. I think they think Teray's next. Well, they need to hit on one of these guys because you know Tyquan Lewis or uh, Teray or you know somebody in the second round, Ben Banigus, somebody one of these second or third round picks of the last couple of years is going to have to carry them because I think Houston was a little bit more of a, a stopgap, right? And you need to find the next guy that you're going to kind of build around. They have that, they think, in Leonard, but particularly on the defensive line. And Ture flashed last year. I, I think there's a lot of promise there, and I thought he looked tremendous in, in the preseason. Um, really, in camp, he's he's looked good as well. If he can just kind of do it on a consistent basis, um, I think he's going to be fine. Moving back over to the offense, uh, and this happened – 
obviously after we last spoke, we we talk, we raved about Reese Fountain and the camp that he was having and the performance in the preseason opener against Buffalo. And then a day after our podcast, they have a joint practice with the Browns halfway through, and he has this horrible, horrible ankle injury. You got to feel for the kid after what he put together and to have not only just an injury, all injuries suck, but particularly one that makes you scream out in pain, really difficult blow for a promising young player. Yeah, pain, and I'm sure there's a whole lot of frustration there too, I'm sure, as he he looked down at what was left of his leg, and it was... I mean, it was a fracture and a dislocation. It was the kind of thing that had that happen on Monday Night Football, the country, it would have been trending on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. it was that bad. You said it was Paul George-like, didn't you? It was more... Or, or, or similar. It was... People are talking... People are not mentioning how bad this was, and I guess what I'm saying is, you know, we have, you have normal season-ending leg injuries that are not good, but you don't, you know, they don't trend on Twitter. Uh-huh. And then you have Paul George things that trend on Twitter. That's the line of... That's the continuum here. His injury was a lot closer to Paul George than the other one. Um, and it might have been the same as Paul George. I didn't see it, but I, just from what I understand. So I, I'm sure that the shock of looking at what he was looking at, and it had to all register in that one moment, is you know, is my career over? If you're a great player and that happens, you're going to get every chance to come back, and, and because you're a great player, you might come back. But if you're Reese Fountain, who looked like a really good player, but still you've never done anything in the NFL and you're young and, and you're, you're, they haven't invested a whole lot in you, mm-hmm. six-round pick maybe, they're going to give him a chance to come back because they're not jackals at the Colts, but – you you wonder if that was his goodbye. And if Kane has a big year, if Campbell has a big year, if, I don't know, Chester Rogers has a solid year, Funches has a good year, you bring him back, Hilton is already on a long-term deal, there's not a lot of room at the end for somebody like Fountain. I think that's what really hurts him the most. Speaking of the wide receiver depth chart, how do you see that playing out at the end? Because we know Hilton, Funches, Campbell, Kane, we know those guys are going to make the team. Um, but Rogers, Pascal. Krishan Hogan, if you want to put him in there as well. How do you see that depth chart now filling out now that we know Reese Fountain is heading to IR? I think Rodgers, unless the Colts are are hoodwinking us and there's just no reason to do that, Rodgers makes it. He's on. Mm-hmm. Reich basically said that the other day. He basically said, he was asked about Rodgers being a punt returner, and, he, and, and could that, I think the question was, could that help him make the team? And what Reich said, not word for word, but damn close, he said, Rodgers is our number one punt returner. So, and that's a pretty important job on the team. So that's how that is. That was his way of saying he's on the team. He's our punt returner. You don't fool yeah. fool around with that. So that's that gives them five. You mentioned Hilton, Funches, Kane, Campbell. Although Campbell might start on I, IR. Yeah, we don't know. Pop maybe. Pop uh, the, the hamstring is an issue still. But assuming the best of him, that he's going to be back. That's that's Rogers gives him five. The question is, do you keep six? You don't always keep six. And if you do keep six, who's number six? And I. I imagine it's down to Zach Pascal and Krishan Hogan. They got more guys. Marcus Johnson dropped two balls the other night. Yeah, I, I think he's out of mine out at this point. Yeah, and I don't see a lot of upside. He's a he's a fine player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's fine, but but there's not he's not a young upside guy. Whereas Hogan and uh, um, Zach Pascal are upside. I mean, Zach Pascal is explosive enough. They put him back on kick returns sometimes. Yeah. So they and he's big. I don't know if you know how big. I mean, he's like six three two twenty. And when you put a guy six three two twenty and you say he's our kickoff return guy. Because your punt return guy is your sure-handed guy. And explosive would help, but Chester Rogers is not explosive, but he's sure-handed. Zach Pascal, when, he, when he's back there returning kicks, that lets you know that's an elite athlete at that size. Krishan Hogan's same size. I, I don't know how elite of an athlete he is. I have no idea. But that's going to be a really interesting battle, in part because Hogan is a local kid, you know, like a local, not quite a Rudy deal, but I mean, he went to Marion, for crying out loud. Yeah, NAIA. The fact that we're even having a discussion about Krishan Hogan making a 53-man roster is a win, I think, for Krishan Hogan, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, he is, 
what Ballard has said since he got here is that they'll they'll know they're they're hitting their they're doing their scouting in the right way if when you see guys that the Colts release playing on other teams. And, and I think we'll see that with a lot of guys. We're going to have a lot of guys on, from this team, but specifically at receiver, we're going to see several of those. I mean, Marcus Johnson, there's a spot for him in the NFL, I think, just not here. But we're going to see whether it's Hogan or, or Pascal, one of those guys, will they'll be scooped up on somebody's 53. They're not going to be on the scout team. They're going to play for somebody. You always take the preseason with a grain of salt. Is this a year where – is this the worst that it's ever been considering that like the Browns come here and they're not even going to play Mayfield? A lot of teams aren't even playing their front-line guys at all. I don't know if Luck would have – we don't know because he's not healthy. I don't know if Luck would have played much, if at all, on Saturday night, maybe a series or something like that. Are NFL coaches, do you think, Greg, just kind of forcing the league to reduce the preseason? Is that a fait accompli? Is that absolutely going to happen? It, not if fans keep buying these tickets. I don't know how it works. I, I think if you buy season tickets, if you're a season ticket holder, do you literally have to buy yes. those two? Okay. It's 10 games. Hey, well, shoot. I mean, as long as the season tickets keep getting sold, mm-hmm. and that's obviously a much bigger deal than just the preseason, but as long as the owners are making money, they're going to want to play these games, and they don't care. They, they, they do, I mean, the owners do not care. Um, but it is. This is the worst preseason I've ever seen, and they're all bad. Not one of them's good. But, but I, you know, when I and the way I have to gauge that, and personally for me, is just when I turn on ESPN and watch the highlights, and it's all it's all about this guy didn't play, this guy didn't play, this guy didn't play, or this guy played one series, and and then won't play again this preseason. It's just nonstop nonsense, and uh, I feel bad for the fans. Like they showed up to the game the other day. I was impressed. They showed up. I, I yeah, it was what two thirds full probably. Oh, at least it was two thirds full kickoff. But it was late by by the first quarter, uh, middle of the first quarter. It was I'm at what hold sixty four there. I would say there's fifty plus. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair. And you know what? I think a lot of people do, and I have a lot of friends that are season ticket holders. They give them away to neighbors or to youth organizations. Right, your one kid, shot. You know, kids don't know they. It, a game is a game. It's a cool experience if you're ten years old to go over to Lucas Oil. If you're a season ticket holder, it's kind of like, what am I doing here? Um, I think the trade off is going to be the owners will be like, yeah, we'll reduce the preseason, but you got to meet us on the other end and probably expand the regular season. Right, eighteen games. Yeah, and the whole idea that 18 games, but you, you can only play 16. Well, that's stupid. Uh, yeah, that's Nobody, really and, dumb. And I read something that someone was saying, or people on TV are saying, that what well, adds a layer of intrigue and, and uh, you know strategy is, do you hold your guy out this game? Do you hold him out that? that nobody wants to see a playoff race decided by, we held out our star in the wrong game, and so we're out of the playoffs. Cause we, yeah. That's just stupid. That is so stupid. Yeah, stupid. You know what would add intrigue? Moving the goalposts on a motor back and forth, but <laughs> I, you know, what I mean, it, it's hokey and lame. I don't. It's stupid. So I'm totally with you. We'll see where that. I, I feel like the preseason's absolutely going to be reduced at some point, and they might have to, as a compromise, extend the regular season um, because of that. I've got an idea. Instead of the moving the goalposts, how about they turn the football field into a giant um, miniature golf thing <laughs> and have like a an ostrich that his beak goes down and up and yeah. in front of the goalpost. So yeah. you better kick that thing, Vinatieri. You think you're good, Vinny? you got to time your run-up based on that ostrich head <laughs> being out of the way. you got to get in the clown's mouth. That's what you have to do. Just kick it right in there. Uh, I, I was having this discussion on Twitter um, because I saw a dude wearing a, uh, a Steelers jersey. I don't know which Steeler it was, and he had a terrible towel. And it was as I was waiting to park on Saturday night, and I thought to myself, Come on, man. The Steelers aren't playing. It's the Browns and Colts. Would you wear this to a game? And then somebody we, – we got in this whole big discussion on Twitter about cool or lame, and somebody sent me the Colts 
banners. Oh, boy. Because remember the AFC finalist thing, and, and people thought that that was ridiculous. But really, the Colts have a lot of banners if you ever go up to and look up into the rafters at Lucas Oil Stadium. Are you cool with the individual banners for everything? Like, would you have a cutoff? Okay, you win a division championship banner. Obviously, you win the conference, you win the league, you win the Super Bowl banner. But where is the cutoff if there is a cutoff? Or, hey, let's keep it the way that it is. Um, I'm fine. If you get the playoffs banner, and your banner notes how far you got. And in 2014, they got to the AFC title game, so you put AFC finalists. I was perfectly fine with AFC finalists. I, the problem is is that people in New England got a hold of it and started mocking it, and then all the lemmings out there are like, yeah, that is kind of stupid. Yeah, that is kind of like, no, it's not stupid. It's not lame. And I guarantee you, and I don't have, I don't know, but I guarantee you there are teams around the NFL that have very similar, yeah. very similar. You, you, you commemorate a playoff season with whatever the last round you got to was. You know, wild card 2014. That's what you do. It's mm-hmm. what you do, and maybe that's not, not what everybody does, and maybe it's not what you do in cities like New England where they've got six rings. You've got the luxury. The rest of the league does it this way, or at least a lot of them do. i got no problem with that. Um, I have a topic to bring up. Yeah. IU basketball, are you aware of, of that they have spent more money? I, was, I saw Zach's yeah, piece awesome. on that. Yeah, yeah, more than anybody in the Big Ten, right? More than anybody in the country. Oh, really? Oh. They've spent... <laughs> IU has spent I didn't know that. on recruiting specifically, <laughs> not just on, yeah, the upgrade Assembly Hall, it costs money. No, 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 no. On, on just recruiting, in addition to everything else, they've spent more money than any team in the country Wow! since Archie got here. And and that's, I mean, that's a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, that's what you want the commitment and good, sure, good for you, Fred Glass. On the other hand, you're like, you, you know, want the results. Yeah. You, what, you, the commitment's great, the results, not so much. You know what? I, and I'll say this, and this is maybe the, the one thing I'll defend Archie Miller on. The recruiting has been really strong, and he has, let's face it, part of the Korean thing, yes, the losing, the inconsistency, that all ultimately led to his departure, but a big part of the Korean thing is that people didn't like that they felt like he was ignoring the state of Indiana, or they felt like he was too much, had his eye outside when there were people in his backyard that he could have had, right? And so Archie has, has cleaned that up, a couple of Mr. Basketballs, you've had the high profile, Trace Jackson Davis, you've had Romeo Langford. You've had the guys from Indiana. That's what Indiana folks want, right? They yeah. want but Chris bounce passes and motion offense, and hey, let's get this dude from Frankfurt to come <laughs> on the basketball team. That's what you guys want out there. Well, they Archie is listening to that sec- segment too. Although I don't think that he, can. in fact, I know he doesn't care. But he's <laughs> he's got the two front runners from Mitch basketball coming in next year. Yeah, in Leal and and the guy from Culver. So, and 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 they're. I assume they're Chris bounce pass guys. I don't know, but they're they're coach's sons. One of them's a coach's son, and anyway, he's on the one hand he's recruited in a way that, that that's what you want. He's done all you could want. I yep. mean, the recruiting results. If if, he, if in a vacuum, you just look at the recruiting classes. He's done all you could want. It's only been two years, so it's a it's a bit much. It's a bit much to get too freaked out about this. It's only been two years. Having said that. I don't see how this year coming up is going to be better yeah, than last they, year. They got to show something. They got to do. I'm not saying that Indiana's got to get to like the Final Four, but they got to do something. They got to make the tournament at the very least and, but, and show that the the arrows pointed up. But they lost their best two players. No, you're right. And 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 Trace Jackson Davis is, you know, you just never know about a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, his upside is huge. You know that. But a guy, a six, not a, a, a guy who who won't have the ball in his hands until someone gives it to him. Mm-hmm. So a big man, and a big man who's built like he's built. Like he's not Biggie Swanigan coming in here weighing two sixty and just will muscle his way to the basket. I mean he's six nine, two fifteen or whatever, and a better athlete than most people on the court. But you just don't guys like that. You just never know unless they've got the ball in their hands in the perimeter. 
and he's not that guy. So I just don't know how good he'll be as a, as a freshman. I, I don't know. He might. I wrote about this in the summer. I went and saw him play in an all-star game, and I wrote, you know, if he can do this in the Big Ten, he's going to be a superstar because all he does is dunk on everybody. But we all know that the level gets bigger. Now, there are some guys that dunk on everybody in high school, they dunk on everybody in all-star games, and they dunk on everybody in college too. Yep. Is he that guy? We don't know yet. We'll see. I feel bad on every every heralded freshman that comes to IU. And this oh. is coming from an IU grad. I feel bad for because if you don't show it right away, man, they turn on you quick. And that's what happened with Langford. That's what ha- that's what happened with Eric Gordon 10 years ago. I mean, people were upset that he wasn't dominant enough, and Eric Gordon had like a broken wrist, and I thought he had a terrific freshman year. Um, and we'll see what happens with Langford in this injury. I, I don't know if we'll ever know how much that really zapped him from this past year. But uh, I, I think also interesting, forget Archie, Greg, I think this is a, an interesting year for Fred Glass because you can tell me all you want about how good the soccer program looks in softball. Bottom line is the revenue sports are men's basketball and football. So if if those things are in the toilet, it doesn't matter what the other sports are doing. That that's what he has to hitch his wagon on. Am I wrong? No, and he's to his credit, he's poured a lot of money into both. I mean the the, the upgrades they made at the football stadium for the football team. Oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was a high school field when I was there twenty years ago. Yeah, and it wasn't much better than that four or five years ago. Mm. Um and, and the upgrades they they've made on the coaching staff and they spent some money to bring in some guys and you know he's he he has made the two hires. He hired Archie. He hired Allen, and and he's tied to those guys. And and one thing Fred has has done, we've seen it with Crean and with Kevin Wilson, but he's also talked about it. He believes in two things. One is you spend the money, you make the commitment, but also he believes in continuity. And continuity works if obviously after on year four, five, or six, you turn a corner and it pays off. But if you're throwing good money after bad or good years after bad, continuity blows you up and. And we just, the jury's out on both those guys. We, I mean, they're just they haven't been here long. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. And I don't think Archie is really. If things really went south, then maybe he'd be in danger after year three. But I, I think you're talking about at least four with Archie, right? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tom Allen, the investment isn't as much, so maybe you can wait and see. And the recruiting has gotten so much better. And I really, I'm hopeful that Tom Allen does a good job because he's such an easy guy to root for. Um, and, and we'll see that. I'm actually heading up to Purdue later today. We're doing the show live from Purdue practice, so ah. we'll see what they got going on um, this year. David Bell, I'm so happy for him that he's back. Oh, yeah. Because that guy's been through, you know, the, the ankle sprain that he had mm-hmm. that knocked him out. I mean, he played in the state championship game. I, I spent that night, I went to the game and spent the whole night watching David Bell be a decoy. Um, and then he barely played much in basketball the following year. And then he hurts his, what, his hamstring? Or I forget, he hurt, hurt something. Uh, in preseason camp for the Purdue, and he's finally back on the field again. But man, because that guy's got an NFL future. Oh yeah. If, if he can avoid, you know, what Andrew Luck has been dealing with lately, which is just keep getting dinged up. Uh, Rondell Moore as well. Uh, we'll see what he does for an encore. By the way, he's an big. Amazing season. He's gotten bigger. His his calf muscles last year, Greg, were like the size of my body, and he's not much bigger than us. I mean, he's like what f- they list him at five nine, but we all know that's kind of an eye roll, right? Yeah, and and but he's gained fifteen pounds of muscle. Really, fifteen. Right? Wow. And on a guy 5'8", 180, and now he's 5'8", 195, I mean, when I saw him walking around, he looked like a slightly shorter version of Saquon Barkley. I mean, Because Barkley, if you've ever seen Barkley, I mean, he's oh, just... It's insane. Insane. Yeah. Rondell Moore's insane. Now, and he says his speed is... He's kept the speed. He says he's got, he's got everything he had before. He's just got more size to handle the pounding he's going to take because he's going to touch the ball 120 times. What I worry about with Purdue is that it's kind of a catch-up game where they've got a lot of young talent, but it's young and this feels like a transition year for them where maybe the big leap can come in 2020, but we'll see. And that's a really tough schedule. I mean, God, 
you know, they're, they're non-league. They're going to go at Nevada. They've got TCU. They've got Vanderbilt. The Big Ten West is getting better. One of their crossover games is uh, is going to be tough at Penn State. So um, I think Purdue, we'll see what happens. You know, Purdue and Indiana are, are kind of in the same boat. If they get bowl eligible, then I feel like you feel good about where the season was, don't you? Um, oh, absolutely. Um, and I think George Karlaftis, is, he's their rookie or freshman yeah, yeah. defensive end from Lafayette. Um, I saw him. I saw him, and you'll see him today. He's different. I mean, he's he's quicker than everybody else, and he's also strong. I saw him get double teamed and just go right through two of them, just right through. One of them was a lineman, one was a running back. He went right through both of them, just pushed him. Anyway, Carlaptis defensive end special. So when you've got special, not just good, but special difference making talent, more David Belvey's healthy, uh, Milton Wright, you know, at receiver also. Mm-hmm. They lost their running back Terrio. He got hurt, so. But they don't they don't run the ball that much. They just need the decoy factor. But anyway, they got big time talent on that team. And I, like, you're right though. Are they too young for this year? We will see. Karloftis was 17 until like two months ago. I think <laughs> you look at this kid, and you're like, you couldn't even vote yet, and he's already uh, tearing everything up. And up you know there. how good he is, how good he's going to be. And you look at look at their roster. The, all their best players are wearing single digits. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering, like, which of these guys are special, they're the ones they gave single digits to because that's the cool thing in college football. Oh, I love that, don't you? Like, oh, the single-digit defensive end is super badass to me. I love watching a guy with one digit who's huge. Yeah. That's fun. A guy Because <laughs> you think, wow, that guy's small for defensive end. He's wearing number six. No, he's, he weighs 310. He just wears number six. It looks smaller. It's great. Uh, let's talk about your columns here before we exit stage left. Uh, John Dillinger, the, the cool thing about that would, would – you know, kind of jumps in my mind with John Dillinger, and you talked about his baseball career. Reggie Wayne told me once that that was his hotel check-in name when they were on the road huh. to play the Patriots or whatever else. You know, all these guys have to protect themselves from groupies and whatever else, so he would always yeah. check in as John Dillinger. Well, and Dillinger, so Dillinger was definitely in hotel rooms um, all over the place. Is Dillinger in that grave? And yes, of course he's in that grave. I mean, that is, and I. I Actually, so the story I wrote about Dillinger, I went back 100 years, and you know, there's been a lot written about Dillinger. What I wasn't going to do is just open the encyclopedia page and rewrite it. Mm-hmm. I, I went out and looked, and I, I showed up in all these towns where he's been, and I was in the building that he robbed where his whole life went south. I was at his gravesite, and I was digging through records and whatnot, and his family member, one of them, called me this morning, actually, on my drive over oh, wow. here, and said, I don't know how you got some of that information, but I want you to share that with me, because we, we the family doesn't have that stuff. I'm like, really? You don't have what I found? That's wow. pretty cool. Um, having said that, I like the family very much, and I'm not sure what they're doing with this History Channel deal, exhuming his grave, it, unless they're just getting a payday, which is fine. But there is there is no chance he's not in that grave. Because I get conspiracy theories, they're all fun, yada, yada, yada. But you have to actually think about what, what it means for him to not be in that grave. That means the FBI knowingly killed an innocent man, covered it up, and to cover it up, they either A, found the real Dillinger and killed him quietly, yeah, or B, in cahoots with Dillinger, got him to go away quietly in the witness protection program. The the most anti-FPI guy in the world is now going to cooperate with them so they're not embarrassed by killing the wrong guy. It, which which of those things makes sense to anybody? It's fascinating, really. It's, I just hope that we don't have, what, what was it, Geraldo 30 years ago with King Tut. Do you remember that when he did that TV special and he goes in the tomb and you're expecting to find all these like riches and stuff and it's like this just empty tomb with cobwebs? Um, we'll see what happens with there Dillinger. There wasn't even Tut wasn't even in there? Uh, well, I mean, he was in the, um, oh. in Bomb. I, I think it was King Tut. Maybe it was somebody different. I don't know. I and just I remember wondered, Geraldo embarrassing himself. They're going to find, uh, are, do they have DNA from Dillinger's grandnephews and you compare that to the bones? I don't even know. How, how do you figure out that with it, Dillinger? There's got to be a way that they can figure this out. 
and even then, you know, with where we are in 2019, Greg, people believe whatever they want to believe. You can have a hundred, all the evidence that right in front of them, and people are like, well, fake news or whatever else. So who knows how that'll go. But you can check that out, IndyStar.com slash sports. It's really interesting, as are all of Greg's columns. And by the way, we are now doing, because we just have to do it, uh, we have a paywall for some stories, and a lot of mine tend to get put behind the paywall. We're not asking for much, but you know, if you want to read this stuff, you can't read it anywhere else. I got a, I got a tweet from somebody who says, "Well, I, I'm not going to subscribe to you." And it's a guy's been nice to me on Twitter for four years, and I've been really nice to him back, and just because I try to be a nice person. But he, like, well, I, you know, you're writing the same words, the same information as as Chapel and and Kevin Bowen, and, and he started, he lists like five Colts guys, just just using different words. And I'm thinking to myself, and I don't mean this ugly at all. I, I mean just I'm thinking the whole point is the words are different, and. If all you care about is is the information, just go to Colts.com. Just read the stats. Yeah. But if you want different words with different insight, you're only getting that from one place. Well, your job's different from those guys. A, well, be, a beat guy is different from a columnist. As I think? say, the right? words the word yeah. the words are different. They're yeah, hopefully I, I don't think a lot there's different. Anything, and and this isn't a knock on those guys at all. I think we we think the world of all those guys. Yes. But I don't think there's any similarity between what you write and what the beat writers right no in fact my, my bosses <laughs> always tell me when we, we go to a colts game or practice and and me and whoever is covering the colts we, we want to write about the same thing and, and I, every time i ask him is it okay that he and i are both writing about x and bosses always say yeah because no one writes like you write so it'll be whatever you write will be different than everybody else and i'm not sure that's a compliment but they're just saying you're so <laughs> damn weird that you show up with one sock in the booth and you're about to take your shirt off so derek can see your your non-hairy chest by the way, I don't see hair peeking out of your hair. Yeah, you know, I, I went with the regular crew neck today. Do you not the, shave the top the, inch off? Just trim I, the top I, inch. I, right. Well, you guys can't see because this is a podcast, but like right where like my Adam's apple is and down, I'll take that off if it gets a little bit too intrusive. But I like to keep the proud mane of chest hair. How hairy could you be? I mean, if you let it all go, would it come up your? Are you Wolfman? Oh, like have you seen me with a mustache before? I can grow the sickest like Burt Reynolds nineteen eighty <laughs> era mustache that there. You know what? I don't have a single hair on my back, and I never have. I don't know if that'll change as I get older. Not even on your shoulders. I, no chest okay. hair, and I've got like arm and stuff like that, and legs. You got kind of some guns going facial here. Facial hair. I'm sort of a trap. When, <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> Seriously, you got a, for a hipster dude. You got some guns. We got a, a family membership at the JCC. I'm not Jewish. Neither is my wife. But the JCC is not too far from where we live because our two and a half year old loves the water park and we do Aww. like gymnastics and all kinds of stuff in there. And uh, yeah, you know, I've been throwing my ish around in there a little bit. <laughs> Throw my ish around. You got to look good. Uh, I heard we'll bring up Reggie Wayne again. He said, "Look good, play good." For me, it's look good, podcast good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I try to do. Okay. We'll see you next time. Doyle and Derek, uh, check us out on Twitter at Greg Doyle Star and at Schultz975. Also, afternoons, Fox Sports 1260 or FoxSportsIndy.com. We'll see you next Tuesday, Greg. Bye.